0: Let's uh, pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for your goodness, and we pray at this time that you would speak in ways that we can hear you, move in ways that we can receive you. And our heart's desire, Lord, is to reflect your love to the world around us. For we ask this in your name, King Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. I think for the most part, we'd understand what I meant (laughs) when I say that there are teachers in this world but then there are teachers in this world, right? There are doctors in this world, but then there are doctors in this world. And I think that the same thing could be said for every profession or vocation from the janitor to the prime minister. There are those who are there just because they want to get their paycheck and be done, and then there are those who are there because they are called to it. It's their reason for being. And it's those people that make a huge blessing on, on the, the world around them, right? On those that they encounter. Uh, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, there's a lot going on there. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to unpack that a bit this morning. But when we hear the word good, it's kind of a, a loaded word. One, it's good. Yes, he's, the, he's a good one. He's skilled. But it also could be translated as the true shepherd, the real deal. And, and Tom Wright, when he looks at this passage, he, he says that when we look at the good or the true, imagine looking at a house that's just true, right? It's got firm walls, it's got a strong foundation, and you're like, that's a house I want to live in. But then if you have another one that, that is sort of kilt-off kilter, you don't want to live in a house like that because it's just, it's not reliable. There's something really attractive about the true shepherd, Because he is the real deal. The question is, what makes a good shepherd a good shepherd? What makes a true shepherd a true shepherd? By caring for his sheep? Okay, that's the end of the sermon. Have a great day. Wow. Good job, Colin. Yeah, right in verse 11, actually, it's a a dead giveaway. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Right? Uh, Do you remember, I forget what story this is, but I remember as a kid, I used to think that romance (laughs) was when a guy would take off his coat and put it over a puddle so that a woman would walk across. As I grew up, I'm like, that is so dumb. But I used to think that that's the, the pinnacle of romance right there. What's it mean to lay down your life for someone? It means that you live for them. That's what agape love is. It's, it's self-giving love that others would benefit um, at our expense. The whole imagery of shepherd and sheep is something that the, the uh, audience that Jesus was speaking to would have been very familiar with. They understood their kings and their leaders as shepherds, and they understood themselves as the the flock, the people of God. Um, And so part of this, this whole thing, though, is where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's speaking into a tradition of judgment against the false shepherds. So one of my favorite books of the Bible, I actually did my honors thesis on it, is Ezekiel. And uh, in, this, in this part in, in, in chapter uh, 34, um, Jesus or sorry, God is judging the false shepherds of Israel. And I was going to summarize this, but I think it's way more fun to read it. "Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally so that they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Maybe fun was the wrong word. We'll get to that. (laughs) These false shepherds were false because they didn't lay their lives down for the sheep. They lived for themselves. Now I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think of every harsh word I've spoken to a sinner I think of the people I've pushed away and I'm convicted. God doesn't leave it there in Ezekiel, by the way. He then goes on to say, I will be the shepherd of my people. And then a little later on, he says, David will be the shepherd of my people. And the readers left will saying, well, who is it? Is it you or David? What's, What's the deal? And we get the answer here in John 10. Jesus, who is God is the good shepherd. Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah, is the good shepherd. The Lord is the one who leads us. The Lord is the one who gathers us, who heals us, who strengthens and nourishes us. It is the Lord. The good shepherd is the one who lives for the sheep. That's something that's really unpopular right now. We live in such an individualistic society. I don't. I'm not, you can't go far on Facebook before you hear, "Oh, I'm doing self-care and you know, put yourself first and all this stuff." And you think, "Oh, good for you," until you hold up the gospel, and it says, "If you want to find your lives, you got to lose it," because it's in love that we really live. Tom Wright. Writes in this passage in response to the passage, he says the sheep are facing danger. When the sheep are facing danger, the shepherd will go to meet it, and if necessary, he will take upon himself the fate that would otherwise befall the sheep. In Jesus' case, it was necessary, and he did it. That reminds me of the passage in Isaiah that says, "By his wounds we are healed." What makes a good shepherd the true good shepherd? Because he cares for us. He cares for us um, at his own expense. Now the thing that would have really disturbed Jesus' audience was the next thing that Jesus goes into. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And then down at verse 16, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. At this point, the Jewish people would have said, what? No, we are the people of God thank you very much. And yet, if you look at the scriptures, Abraham wasn't called for Abraham's sake. He was called so that the world would be blessed through him. And church, we are not called for just our own sake. We are called so that the world would be blessed through us. This is something we need to be aware aware of. That if we get into, well, we got to do things this way and it's got to be like this and we got to be thinking about the people out there because the reality is there are sheep out there and they need to be gathered and they need to be fed and they need to be healed, bound up. This past week on Monday, we had a, um, a thing on Zoom for the diocese. It actually went right across the country where our Archbishop David and Archbishop Mark MacDonald, the first indigenous uh, bishop, uh, for, for the Anglican Church of Canada, had a conversation. It's the first of many conversations on how do we forgive. And it's looking at the relationship between the church and the Aboriginal community. So, um, in this talk, um, Archbishop Mark told a story about how this man up in Alaska, I think he was a bishop too, was charged with building up the church in Alaska amongst the Aboriginal people. <laughs> and he was failing horribly. Now he knew and he believed that God loved these communities more than he could possibly do so himself. And yet he was unable to recognize any leaders to, to lead the church there. And he came to the conclusion that he was incapable of recognizing them, so maybe he was looking in the wrong spot. Now um, I'm going to play a short clip from this this video. Hopefully, if the gremlins don't attack again. And uh, what I, I want to, to I, there's he says ACPO. Now many of us know what ACPO is. I have to remember the Advisory Committee for Postulants Seeking Ordination. So basically, when you are going into ordination, your parish needs to say, Yeah, we think this is a good idea. And then your diocese needs to say, Yeah, we think this is a good idea. And then the whole province, which for us is from Montreal to St. John's, needs to say, Yeah, we think this is a good idea. And he says that people who were going, who he was recruiting, would never get through that process. Okay, let's hopefully this will work here.
1: He came to the conclusion that. the people that he was looking for were the wrong people. And, uh, and so he disoriented what he was looking for. He was looking for people who would fit into the church and he began to look for people who wouldn't fit into the church. You know, he began to look for the people who were making a difference in the community. And he started talking to people and He found out this amazing thing, but I I could tell you stories about this that are really edifying and they would make you give praise and glory to God, but I I don't have enough time. But basically, he went to these people who were making a difference in society and he said to them, have you ever thought about uh, about, uh, uh, giving your life to God and being ordained? And they all said yes. You know, it stunned him, it stunned him. And the long story, uh, you know, it's an interesting story. You should ask me about it sometime. Long story is that they became successful, faithful, fruitful uh, priests in the Episcopal Church. Uh, Amazing, amazing story. Uh, All people that nobody would ever, ever in a million years ordain. And in fact, they would never get by ACPO. They would never be. Uh, acceptable uh, in any program these days but uh, he he stuck his neck out second thing I would point out after I heard that story I began to look at the gospels and you know um, you know in the gospels you see you know Jesus is surrounded by people asking all the important questions like you know uh, when do we eat Uh, do you want us to go you know send lightning down on all these people uh, uh, you know, can we have the best seats in heaven and all the you know all the things that make you wonder has have they heard a single thing that this guy has said, you know and and uh, and of course they've been sitting listening to him for, for and and in every single almost every single case he connects with people outside of the ring that are closest to him, and so you begin to understand that he makes the deepest connections with people who are on the margins uh, outside. And so uh, it, it, uh, uh, it, you begin to see that those of us who are close to him, uh, we are in the, the ranks of, of about to be converted, and that there's a, a rank of people outside of us who are in the midst of being converted. And that we really need to look more seriously at that bunch, and uh, and and I think uh, uh, and I, th- I think I think I think the reality is that God is doing a lot of stuff outside of us. And when he when Jesus says, you know, if you want to find me, you know, go out where there's naked people and people who are hungry, and go to the jails. He didn't say, you know, go to where people are comfortable and, uh, you know, go to go to where people are quiet, you know, and uh, that sort of stuff, you know. And but we keep on looking in those places instead of the places where Jesus told us to go. So I, you know, no wonder we're having trouble.
0: I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I forgot to say that this response was into the question of how do we get ourselves out of the center of our own cosmology, which is a big word that's above my pay grade. But basically, how do we get ourselves out of the center of our worldview of how we understand what is happening We've got to put Jesus in the middle and what he's doing in the world, you know, and what we're invited to participate in, what he's already doing. God is doing so much. And we need to pray that we have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to follow. So there are shepherds, but then there are shepherds. And my friends, there are sheep, but then there are sheep. What does it mean? We see what Jesus' vocation was to lay his life down of his own accord. No one made him do it. No one's compelling us to do it. But we are invited to do it. And we're invited to to live in the same kind of love that that Jesus calls us to. So the vocation of Jesus is that and our vocation is to reflect Jesus' love as well. So, I don't know if I ever told you the story of, um, of a guy named, uh, what's his name? Buckingham. Laurel Buckingham. He was a Wesleyan pastor. I think he's retired now. But he told us a story once about how he hated going to clergy meetings. And I'm like, amen, right? <laughs> uh, but he said that the problem was is that everybody was competing, well, my congregation's this size. Our building is this new. You know, all this stuff. Which, sadly, we did, very, Anglicans very much did this several years ago, too. It was kind of discouraging. We don't do it much anymore. We're more supportive and perfect. Anyway, <laughs> tongue in cheek. Um, but what Laurel did, what changed his perspective of those meetings, was that he would go in with this question. How can I add value to your day-to-day? How can I be a blessing to you? Right, To be living in the vocation of a follower of Jesus doesn't have to be huge and grand. It simply is this. Lord Jesus, be glorified in me today. Make me sensitive to your leading and let me uh, express your love to those I encounter today. I don't have to go overseas. I don't have to give all my money away. I have to be obedient. I want to be obedient and see what happens. So I'm wondering... Can we pray this prayer together? I'll give you a chance. If you don't want to pray it, (laughs) you don't have to. But I think this is basically a summary of what we're called to do. So if you are comfortable praying it, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, our true shepherd, lead and we will follow. Give us grace to trust. Empower us to serve be glorified in your care for us and in your care for the world through us. Amen.